Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we are live, and no Casey on the ones and twos today. He is in the LBC for the Bellator 286 six, excuse me, festivities, an event we'll certainly be talking about on this live UFC Vegas 61 and Bellator 286 preview show. On MMA fighting, that's right, the UFC and Bellator essentially going head-to-head tomorrow. The UFC is bringing a pivotal strawweight main event between Mackenzie Dern and Yan Xiaonan to the apex, while Bellator counters with the featherweight title fight between Patricio Pitbull and Adam Boric. I am Mike Heck. As you can see, I'm joined by the great Jose Youngs and the Prince of Positivity, Alexander K. Lee. Jose, I'll begin with you. The UFC card here has some fun competitive matchups, no doubt about it. Main event has stakes for sure. Mm-hmm. And we like all of those things. And mm-hmm. there's certainly potential for some really fun, quote unquote, bangers on this card. But on paper, top to bottom, there is no discussion here. Bellator is the better card, does it not? I think if you go from the prelims to the top of the card, the UFC is better. But the top three fights on Bellator are more intriguing than any of the fight. All even maybe even the top four are more intriguing than any of the other fights. On the UFC card, I think it's just a st- it's just a clash of like do you want because like Christoph Jocko is a name, Brendan Allen's a name, Al- Alexi Olenek is going for the UFC heavyweight submission record, like Randy Cost is popular, Julius Stoliarenko is coming off a big win, like these are all names that people know in the UFC. I would hazard a guess that outside of like Max and maybe who Lance Gibson Jr. is on the prelims, I know for Bellator, like I would I would hazard a guess that most people can't name five people on the Bellator prelim card so top to bottom ufc's better but those top four bellator fights are pretty fantastic agreed ak what do you think and uh how does the gymnastic scale read here what's the difference between the two oh gosh i'll, I'll like listen i was telling i was saying before the show full disclosure i i i haven't i've, I've been diving real deep into the vegas card uh i probably have not been giving this Bellator card the intention it deserves i have been listening to all the conversations uh, I know a lot of people uh, saying the Bellator card is stronger top to bottom. Uh, this UFC card is weird. It's weird the way, like, I don't want to say bad. Um, not to, you know, not to say that there aren't bad UFC cards. I'm one of the first people to tell you that, like, there are such a good thing as as good UFC shows and bad UFC shows. I don't subscribe to the, oh, you know, it, as long as UFC, it's good. And it's the cards we don't talk about that are that turn out to be great, blah, blah. I don't subscribe to that at all. I just didn't want to dismiss this one so quickly until I took a deeper dive into it. But... I mean, just at a glance, just at a glance, Belter has to have the edge here. I mean, there's just more intriguing names top to bottom, people who are like I would view as contenders in their promotion. Uh, the UFC card, at least according to our the MMA Fighting Global Rankings, the only rankings that matter, there's only two ranked fighters, and they're in the main event. Uh, Mackenzie Dern and, and Jan Shonan, two uh, top 10 strawweights. Other than that, I don't even think we have that many Favs. I don't think there's a lot of fighters who are even registering and receiving votes here. Um, Julia Stoliarenko, maybe. Christoph Jocko, maybe. Other than that, 
again, no disrespect to the fighters in this UFC card. It's kind of this weird smorgasbord of uh, up and comers, some kind of some replacements. A lot of these are sort of, were not the originally scheduled bouts. They're kind of got uh, shuffled, you know, uh, four or five weeks out. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting, or in the case of Don Shanus, like re- very last minute. So it's an interesting, weirdly thrown together card. Uh, and it, there's also a big gap between this one and the next card, right? Uh, yeah, two weeks. So it's weird. It's just in the middle of nowhere. And I think that's how people feel about it too. Is it, it almost feels like they can kind of skip this one on the road to uh, the next card on the 15th. And of course, the massive, massive pay-per-view coming up on October 22nd. So uh, gymnastic scale, I mean, Bellator is maybe up a full point. Like, I mean, Bellator is, I think if everything works out great and they have great fights, this is like this could be like, you know, 8.5, 8.6 card degree of difficulty. Uh, UFC definitely below eight i'm saying if, even if everything goes great i don't know if it's a card that we'll be discussing too much in the uh, in the near future once it's over yeah and again let me just put this out there saying a card isn't great on paper doesn't mean it's not fun there are fun fights on this ufc card they're really fun fights this has the kind of mix that you're looking for for a ufc card. we have a main event with stakes we have low-key bangers we have fights we know are going to be good and there's going to be highlight reel finishes on this card. So at the end of it, we're going to be like, oh, that was a fun watch. But heading in, just looking at what what is being put together, it's just like these are just fun fights, but there just aren't a lot of stakes outside of the main event. But we're going to start at the UFC. They will hit the airwaves first. Their prelims start at 4 p.m. Eastern. Their main cards at 7 p.m. Eastern. Bellator, 7 p.m., 10 p.m. Eastern. So, Jose, no fans, no media inside the UFC Apex for this card, UFC Vegas 61. For, by the way, do you have any thoughts on this? Like, to me, it's just kind of, I'm just curious as to why this is on the Otman Azaitar what's in the bag kind of mm-hmm. platform for me where it's not going to... This, gonna, is, on, this yeah. is on the the same level as like, what did the Boston Celtics former head coach do? Like, just yeah. tell me. Uh, it's, it's probably like a step below that. I don't... Yeah, yeah. 100% of this. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, you cover almost all of our events when when, we're, when we send people out on the road. So hearing this, we've heard some of the, some of the theories that are out there, but is this something that you're like, that you care about or what, what's, what was your reaction to finding out that nobody's going to be able to get in there? Well, I've been hearing rumblings like leading up and I'm not going to say what they are because they all like the rumor, the big rumor that everyone's heard. I was hearing like a week before the rumors started to leak out. I'm like, that's, that's very bizarre, but whatever. It's not like this is a pay-per-view that we're missing out. You know what I'm saying? And like for fight nights, if you haven't covered a fight night and like you're watching this and you're and you're like a young reporter, it's like the same three or four media people back there and maybe one or two of them ask questions at these scrums. So the scrums are maybe three minutes max. Like I'm looking at the card. Like if Julia Stolyarenko wins, her scrum will be maybe two, three minutes. And Dana probably isn't even speaking to the media on fight nights because he speaks to the media every Tuesday and he just spoke to them on Tuesday after the Bo Nickel fight. So uh, this would be a lot more alarming if it was, say, like Dillashaw at Sandhagen or like Holloway Yair, like a big main event like that. But I think it's it's annoying that we can't be there because we should be there. We should be able to ask questions, but I'm not losing sleep over it for this one. That makes sense. It's just It's just very bizarre and out of left field. So... Yeah. I'm just I'm just curious as to why and if, if they told us and they're like, hey, we're doing we're not we're not letting people in because ABC and there's like a logical reason, then so be it. But yeah, you know, just tell us what the damn us. reason is. Yeah, Correct. It's not, it's maybe they the can't. Maybe they can't. Touche. But maybe we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, AK, what do you think about all of this? I haven't gotten your thoughts on this. Is this strange? Do you care at all? I, I definitely care. I definitely care. I think I think the last thing that that Jose says, the most important part is like how the media should have the option. I'm sure there's people, you know, who've heard us talk about uh, this story this week and go like, oh, well, you guys are always complaining. There's too many cards. And like even now, even now, criticizing the quality of the card. Well, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to watch it, then then congratulations. Dana did you a favor. Dana kind of joked about that earlier this week. He was saying like, oh, I'm just giving you guys the day off. You guys work too hard. And um so it was very tongue in cheek. I saw some people, I think, like pick up that story as like and take his quotes directly. And like he was he was joking. Um, but uh, yeah, w- whatever the reason is to not give the media the option is so bizarre and to not say why. Now, this again, this is nothing really new. 
with the UFC. Uh, let's be honest, getting a straight answer from from the man is uh, is always very touch and go. There's some things he's super forthcoming about. There's some things he'll never give the answer to. What was what was in the bag and on Fight Island, you know, things like that. Uh, what was he doing uh, backstage? What was the fight, Jose, that he, he couldn't put the belt on uh, the person backstage? It was say, backstage. Francis. Say it again? Yeah. Francis. Francis. Yeah, yeah. Right? We'll never know. Just stuff happens, and he's kind of giving people the same the same run around this week. It's like, oh, where was he in? Ju- where was he in July? We don't know. We don't know, right? This and then and and we'll 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 never get those answers because uh, him and only probably a few people in his inner circle know. So at this point, it's kind of I admit it's a bit of a shame that uh, some of us in the media. I'll just speak for myself. I don't want to say everyone. Myself, like I've accepted that. Oh, okay, this is just how things are, and th- and that shouldn't be the way it is. Um, and listen, it's 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 very likely. Maybe it isn't a big deal on Saturday that there is some just weird logistical reason uh, why they chose not to have media this week. Um, and, you know, and again, maybe we'll forget about this by the end of the year. But whatever the reason is, we should know. We should can know. media uh, can media like virtually call in. I don't think so, because if that was the like, you see, that sucks. If if we yeah. weren't allowed in the building, but they did like pandemic style, where they brought sure. into a room in front of a camera. Fine. That's great. Because yeah. then more, then a lot of people could call in. Yeah, what I don't understand is who's doing the. They said so. What they're, they're going to do is they're going to do the normal post-fight interviews they do with fighters, and they're just going to do them a little bit longer. Who's doing them? I guess just I would imagine it's like UFC. The UFC.com has a has a team that you see a lot of their, like they win, they go through the car wash, and usually yeah. the sec the last stop is like UFC.com, and they stand there with the microphone, like the fighter talks and like holds the microphone. So I bet it's like that, and they ask sure. the same questions that we all ask. Sure, sure. So with with respect, you know, but either way, with respect to the fine people at UFC.com, uh, it, it, it would be nice for the media that is not employed by the UFC to have the option to ask some questions. But, you know, uh, just for anyone watching, we'll we'll get you. We'll have we'll have coverage. We'll have coverage. We'll have quotes. Uh, just know it won't really be coming directly um, from us. It'll be coming directly from the UFC. Hit me up if uh, you want to do a post fight interview. We'll make it happen. But uh Jose, Mackenzie Dern, Jan Jonan, this main event for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Clearly, both women need this one badly if they want to get to a title shot. What are your thoughts on this, this main event? You are the fan of high-level martial arts more than storyline and anything else. Does this one check all the boxes for you? Yeah, I'd say so. This is a really fun fight for the women's strawweight division considering we have that big title fight coming up. And then after that, uh, there's really no huge clear cut i guess marina rodriguez is still trying to get her fight right does she have a fight booked or did her fight fall apart she's fighting amanda lemos as of right that's now. right did that and that got rescheduled at some point right yeah no like uh, november was, 5th november 5th yeah so i would imagine like especially if marina wins she's probably getting the title shot because carlos Barza, who's the champion right now even said like marina rodriguez deserves a title shot right now so I guess that would make sense, but this is more of a placeholder, I guess, for a lot. Maybe the winner of this goes on to a number one contender fight uh, and gets like another big name, especially if it's Mackenzie Dern. I feel like the UFC has been really wanting her to fight for the title for a long time. She had that real. She had that fight of the night lost to Maria, and before that, she had just lost to Amanda Hebos, but she had just had her daughter, so she was like her first fight, and after like her nine month pregnancy, and she, it was a pretty quick like she had her baby, and then like. Well, a couple months later, she was fighting Amanda Hebos, uh, and I, that was in that Florida card. So I feel like if she wins, she's probably going to get a number one contender shot. And if Yan Zhaonan wins and Zhang Weili wins, you know, could have an all Chinese uh, title fight. I think the UFC and obviously really wants to break into that region of the world. Uh, I think that would obviously be really, really big deal, especially if they could hold it over there. Whether that can happen, I'm not sure, but they could probably go back to Singapore or something next year. I know there have been rumblings of going to more Asian markets, especially with this road to the Octagon show that they're doing. There's a lot of fighters from uh, India, Asia, uh, Thailand. They're going to want to break ground into that. So I feel like if those two women fought, it would be like the perfect headliner for like one of those fight nights there. But it's it's a it's a great fight regardless because Yan Janan just lost to Marina if I remember correctly and I think that was a split decision loss that was at two seven two was that March I want to say was that the Colby Covington card yeah so that was recently so yeah great fight I like this main event I'm happy it's a main event happy we get to see both women in five rounds. AK, who do you think needs this one more? Because we kind of laid it out here. Dern lost to Marina, and she was probably a win away from getting a title fight. And that was a pretty lopsided win for Marina. And then Dern beats Tisha Torres. I was there. A lot of people thought Tisha won that fight. And then for Jan, loses the very close decision to Marina Rodriguez. A lot of people felt like Jan won that fight. 
And then she got pretty much trucked by Carlos Sparza. So who needs this one more? You can make an argument for both women, I think. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll lean towards Dern. I just think uh, Dern's the more hyped fighter, so her reputation takes a bigger hit if she loses. It's her second main event. Um, people are really looking at her as a title challenger. Have really have been obviously since she first decided, hey, I'm gonna get into MMA. She had those amazing jujitsu credentials, and everyone's hey, you know, if this if this um, she's very marketable, she can put it together. UFC has a real star in her hands, so she's gonna have more pressure on her in almost every matchup that she's in. Um, this one, I can see why people would lean towards Jan. As we said, she's, uh, she, you know, lopsided loss to Carla, uh, very close loss to Marina Rodriguez. Um, and, a, but I don't think a third, even a third loss, even if it's like a first round submission, even if it's like a convincing win, super convincing win for Dern. Uh, I don't think Jan gets released. I, I don't, I don't think she'll be, uh, 0 3 and out. Um, I think she'll get another chance. She's, uh, she's a pretty strong performer. Like, I don't want to say like the, the most super exciting fighter, but has a pretty appealing stand up style. And again, she's given tough, has given tough fights to the best, the best in the division. So um, it's not the deepest division in the UFC. Uh, they, they should keep names like her around. So I'm not sure what her contract status is, but I think as long as she has fights left or as long as she's willing to um, work on something reasonable uh, for, with the promotion, they'll keep her around, win or lose. So it's uh, definitely a huge fight for Jan, as well as since theoretically she shouldn't be that far off from a teleshot herself. Again, that fight with uh, Marina showed how competitive she is. And then again, other than Carla, just a bad style matchup. So uh, I want to, I'm definitely saying that, that Duren has more pressure because I, I threw up a poll. Uh, will, will Mackenzie Duren fight for a UFC title in 2023? Right now, our YouTube people are saying 54% yes. So slight, wow. slight lean that they think it'll happen. Again, 2023, it's a long, you know, that could be the end of 2023. There's a long window, a lot, um, a lot of things that could happen that could open the door for Duren to fight for a title. So I think I would also lean towards there that way. Like there's a chance, but she does need to win uh, tonight. Uh, excuse me on Saturday. I think a loss is going to push her back just enough that um, she won't be, you know, as close to that, top, that little cluster at the top of 115 uh, that she needs to be. So uh, yeah, strong performance Saturday. She makes a statement no matter what, no matter what happens with, with Rose and Carla and Zhang, uh, a loss, especially a bad one, um, like uh, a convincing one, like the loss to Marina. Uh, it, it, it'll set her back and plenty, she has plenty of time to make it back to the top. So it's not, it's not the end of the world for her, but I think if her plan is to is sort of capitalize on, on like her abilities now and really, really challenge for that title, I think it's, she has to win. She has to win on Saturday. So a um, little more pressure on Mackenzie Dern. Jose, is this submission or bust for Mackenzie Dern? When you look at it from a stylistic perspective, because Jan and a lot of other people believe that she, they feel like Jan has the advantage is pretty much everywhere else in this fight, but Dern's, submission skills i mean that's like the a plus thing is it that simple in your eyes or do you feel like dern has improved enough across the board to make you feel otherwise the stand up etc i mean she definitely has the tool sets to win a split decision uh, i know she has a couple split decision wins but those have been like three round fights right correct i think how many main events has she been in one and she lost to marina who is marina's the man uh, especially with the striking, I think Marina is is has she she that fight so that did win fight of the night. So it was back and forth. But Marina was just a step ahead of McKenzie on the feet, and she wasn't allowing McKenzie to implement her game. But then you saw like in the Verna Jandaroba fight, I think that was also a decision. Verna Jandaroba is obviously also an un unbelievable submission artist herself. So they kind of canceled each other out, and McKenzie just had better stand up against Verna Jandaroba. Now does she have better stand up than Jan Janan, who actually has like a handful of knockouts, not in the UFC? It's pretty much been all all only decisions in the UFC. Has she had a some stoppage win in the UFC? I can't think of one off the top of my head. Yan Shanan? Yeah. Uh, it would have been a long time ago if she yeah. ever no, she has not. No, and she's beaten like but Yan Shanan's beaten what Claudia, Carolina, Angela, like mm -hmm. these are all like the best of the best of strawway. So she's shown the ability to win unanimous decisions, not over five rounds. So I have a lot of questions. So if someone's going to get a stoppage win, I'm going to imagine it's Mackenzie Dern by submission. Uh, I I don't know how, because you saw, Carl, like you said, Carla just ran at her and took her down immediately. If Mackenzie Dern does that in the first round, it's going to be a bad time for Yan Zhao Nan. We haven't seen a whole lot of her Yan Zhao Nan submission defense. So, sure. Yeah, submission or bust, I guess. I just, I don't know if either, I haven't seen enough of them either women to warrant a unanimous decision over five rounds. There's too many question marks, if that makes sense. AK, betting lines, 
according to our friends at DraftKings. Kenzie Dart, minus 230, the favorite. Comeback on Jan, plus 190. Do you agree? Are you surprised yeah, I, I, this? I, I, no, I actually thought their owner would be a little bit higher. Uh, closer to 300. I don't know if she was closer to 300 earlier in the week. Um, I I just, I, I'm with, I'm sort of with uh, Jed Mishu and I are always talking about two things um, a lot when we're, when we, when like someone's favorite and we think like they could be more favored or to justify how favored they are. Uh, does this fighter have an A plus skill and is this fighter uh, like a great athlete? And um, Yan Shanan's not a bad, bad athlete either, but I think Mackenzie Dern, outside of maybe some questions about her uh, cardio, uh, I think it has really, really high level athleticism, as, at least as far as explosive goes and like finishing ability. And then, of course, her jujitsu is, you know, better than any skill a lot of women have at 115. Right. So that's two that's two big things in her favor. Um, she did go the distance with uh, Marina. Again, it, it wasn't a great fight for her, but she did go the distance. So credit to her there, I suppose. Um, but yeah, she has just has those two big advantages. Uh, Yanshan, again, solid, well-rounded fighter. Um just, just her not having a finish, being sort of nondescript in like, uh, as far as like how, how you know, what, whatever her strongest abilities are. That to me is always a little bit of a, just a little bit of a, of a, of a reason to stay away from like um, favoring this person or wagering on this person. So uh, again, hey people, don't bet on MMA, but I do think the line is is pretty accurate, uh, or it could be, I say it could be higher. I think McKenzie could be minus two fifty, minus two sixty, even even closer to to three to one. Um, so I don't know if money came in on Jan. Because um, there's reason to believe she can win, but I guess we'll we'll make our picks official uh, picks in a moment. Yes, we'll do that right now. Jose, who you got? Mackenzie Dern, second round submission. I mean, I would love to just be a little cutesy with this, but uh, I have the exact same thing. I Mackenzie's gonna get her down, and when she does, I think the fight's over. Um, no disrespect to Jan, Mackenzie just does this to pretty much everybody. Like Maria did a great job defending. And she was in some really tough spots, but Marina is also a very good jujitsu player herself. And we realize how good her defense was. I don't think Yan Janan has anywhere near as close of a defensive strategy and defensive tendencies that Marina Rodriguez has. So I think Mackenzie gets her down in the second round and then puts her away. AK, what say you? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go third round. I guess just to be different. Um, the, the one big problem for Yan is like she's kind of at her best. When she can pressure a bit, kind of control the distance and pressure, and at some point, I feel like she's going to have to take a risk to get in there on uh, on Mackenzie Dern because I, I don't know how she just doesn't fight that great off the back foot. Um, and once she gets within range and, and has to be aggressive, I just think it's going to go right into right into Mackenzie Dern's strength. And Mackenzie Dern again doesn't have the takedowns of Esparza for sure. Does not have the takedowns of Esparza, so um, that's a huge point in Jan's favor. But again, if Jan is going to be aggressive here and is going to try and win the fight her way um, that that actually might not work out for her. So I don't know. Um, Jan, it's, it sounds bad to say, might be able to win this one in a boring way, but I don't think that's the way she's going to approach this. Um, and even then, even if she tried that, I mean, trying to win in a boring way doesn't always work well for the fighter attempting to do that, right? So I just think, uh, yeah, Mackenzie's just way too dangerous and that, that specialty of being able to take it to the ground and win uh, I have to go that way. So I'll just go third round. I'll, give, I'll say Jan is, you know, short up her defense a bit, but not enough to um, to get past such a strong grappler in, in McKenzie. Rest of the main car, we got Randy Brown, Francisco Trinaldo, Hione Barcelos, Trevin Jones, Sadiq Youssef, welcoming New England's Don Shanus, John Castaneda, Daniel Santos, and the main card kicks off with a really fun fight. Mike Davis and Vyashlav Borshev, Slava Claus, one of the best nicknames in in all of mixed martial arts. So, Jose, before we get to Bellator, which we'll talk about in a moment, what's the low-key banger? What's the fight of the night? What's the one you have circled that maybe some of the the newer fans might not be aware of heading into tomorrow? Hmm. I mean, on the prelims, it's got to be Jaco, Brandon Allen, because those are just like two really high-level martial arts and middleweight. Alexio Linick going for the submission record is obviously really fun. Uh, Mike Davis is a really, really fun, uh, was he, he's lightweight, right? Yep. Um, he's a really fun lightweight. How that man makes 155 pounds is beyond me. Uh, his first fight was, it was like short notice against Gilbert Burns or something like that. Right. Yep. If I remember correctly. Then he had that banger of a fight against Mason Jones and he was like crying at the, uh, the press conference saying that he didn't know if he could still do it before this fight. So I'm always interested to see him fight just based off of that scrum because he was like super emotional after that. And that was 
almost two years ago. And he hasn't fought since. January of last year. Yeah, it was almost two years ago. But I'll say, like, the I'm circling a fight. I think Randy Brown for Francisco Trinaldo is going to be super fun. Randy Brown has looked like, has not looked, has looked better than ever the last, like, what, year and a half, two years. He's been, he's really coming out of his shell, especially on the mic. He's only losing to the best of the bets, like Vicente Luque, Nico Price, the Bilal Mohammeds of the world. And then Francisco Trinaldo is the oldest 44-year-old I've ever seen in my life. It looks like he's <laughs> 60. Uh, his first UFC fight was in 2012, and I'm pretty sure... I think he was on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and he's the middleweight. And he's the only one left, in I think, on the UFC roster from that season. So, uh, And he's only lost to the best of the best, too. And I'm going to use lost because I think he definitely beat Alexander Hernandez in, in San Antonio. Uh, so yeah, I'll circle that fight. I think that's just a really fun welterweight fight, and n- n- neither man's gonna fight for the title anytime soon. But it's just a fun scrap. Hey, Gay, what do you think? What's what's the low key banger? And I know how much you revere Christoph Jocko. We talk about him on onto the next one all the time. Anytime he fights, it, the stakes are high. It is the battle for the 16th best middleweight in yes, the world. The most middleweighty middleweight. Uh, well, I. Uh, Jose took me back with the uh, Trinaldo comments. I had to double check. Did he outlast a lot of people? He did. Yeah, he is the last guy from the inaugural season of the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, which featured such luminaries as Honey Jason, uh, John Macapá, Bellator, uh, Bellator sta- uh, like standout. It's been with Bellator for a while now. John Macapá, John Teixeira. Uh, what was in there? Hugo Wolverine, Viana, Rodrigo Dam, uh, former Strike Force standout, Rodrigo Dam, and uh, Godofredo Pepe. Cesar Muchach was on there. God, what a season. And oh, Serginho. Serginho, Sergio Moraes. I missed that guy. So, uh, yes. Yeah, somehow, quote unquote, 44 year old uh, Francisco. I tweeted the other day. Oh, it's amazing. Like him and Olenek are both on this card. And I'll talk more about Olenek in a second. Um, are almost combined 90 years old. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I, I don't want to put uh, Guy Cruz on this. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he can get the facts on this. But uh, I'm pretty sure they're actually over 100 if we're using Trinaldo's real age. Whatever that may be, they were probably <laughs> over. Sorry, over ninety. Excuse me. So, anyway, yeah, Olenek listed at forty-five. Uh, Trinado listed at forty-four. But um, yeah, that's so my low key. I mean, look, I'm really keeping an eye on that featured heavyweight bout, Alexi Olenek, Alir Latifi. Uh, Latifi really looking like a beefy beef boy at heavyweight. I love it. Um, I'm sure he could still make light heavyweight if he wanted to, but why? Why bother? Uh, he's almost a two to one favorite. I think going to this one, I can understand why. I talked about it earlier, like athleticism, like, yeah, listen, this is a big deal. Even at, especially at heavyweight, athleticism, I think matters. And we've seen Linux lose to fighters who he's probably a better fighter than, but are just like younger and much faster and much more explosive than him. I think Latifi kind of falls in that category. He's never been submitted. So if Linux were able to add him to the list, I think what, what 60, 60 wins. How many submissions does this guy have? Like 40 that we know of. Uh, he has. He has a handful. 47 career submissions. If he's able to become the first fighter to submit, Aliri Latifi will tie Frank Mir for the most submissions by UFC heavyweight at eight, which is a record that has stood for a long, long, long time. So that would be amazing. But I, so that's why I'm fascinated. I, I, I'm kind of with the odds makers. I think Latifi should be favored again, almost two to one. But it's friggin' Olenek, man. This guy, I don't know. He finds a way. He finds a way with weird opponents sometimes. So, uh, yeah, great choice. Excellent work, Matchmaker, uh, the officials, ESPN, everyone, UFC, UFC, making this the featured prelim. Uh, such a fascinating, intriguing fight. And again, it's a weird card, so forget He's, it. Is Alexi Olenek is the first fighter on the UFC roster to fight in four decades. Insane. I think he's going to make it to five. Wow. I, mean, I think he's going to make what, it. 50? Yeah. I think he's going to make it. Wow. Uh, I mean, man, I mean, you guys took a lot of... Joaquin Silva, Jesse Ronson is not going to last more than five minutes. So don't that's that. always fun. No, <laughs> the, 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 those guys don't go to decision ever. It's just, it's going to end the first round. Um, Randy Costa needs to win very badly. He very has badly. to win. And he like, should win. And he, he should, should win, win this one. With respect he to, to Ninja Kennedy, with respect a guy who did another guy over 40. We got, a, we got a few over 40 guys on here. Uh, and I respect them all greatly. Randy Costa is a better fighter than this guy, I think. Um, yeah. But. We'll so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, 
Don Shanus in the UFC is pretty damn cool. I've been interviewing Don Shanus for like six years now, hmm. for a long time since he was fighting for Cage Titans and going through the New England regional scene. So to see him fighting in the UFC is pretty cool. I don't, I mean, I'm not I'm gonna picking him for the upset. I am, Mike. You are? I'm wow. picking him. Plus six, plus six seventy five dog. Hashtag don't gamble on him. Especially don't bet on this fight, people. I would say do not bet on this fight. Though those odds are very juicy, though. Plus six seventy five. I will say. So if you're a regular better. Bet wisely. If you're not someone who gambles normally, don't start gambling now on a plus 675 underdog. But I like what I've seen from him. I think he has like an annoying style. And I think he's kind of going to go out there and just like put it all on the line. Y- y- Yusuf is, is like a, a great technical fighter. He's one of those guys. And I said this about Jake Matthews ahead of the um, the fight where he lit up uh, Fialio. I was like, I was like, is he a fighter though? Like, can he get dirty and scrap? And Ma- Jake Matthews passed that test with flying colors. Amazing performance in his last fight. So I want to see that from Yusuf too. I want to see Shanus kind of go at him, he make will. him uncomfortable, just kind of try and take him down, try and just really just annoy Yusuf. And I want to see if Yusuf, if there's that beast in him, because Yusuf has a couple of first round finishes. He should theoretically put away a guy who's coming in on short notice again in, in Don Shanus. But I don't know. I kind of like Shanus' style. And Shanus is not a small featherweight either. So. I think it's like grappling is really going to work out. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm just going wild here. I think Shane is going to get an upset win. Wow. I yeah. mean, I, listen, he's got to come out strong right off the get right out the gate. Uh, I like his approach to the fight. Um, I spoke with him a couple weeks back or a week ago. And he said, I gotta come out quick because Yusuf's not a, not a fast starter and I am. So he's got nothing to lose. He knows it. So let's see if he could shake up the entire featherweight rankings. Cause that would be, Really interesting. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. So let's head over to... The LBC, Long Beach, California, Bellator 286 going down tomorrow night. Main event, Jose, Patricio Pitbull puts his featherweight title on the line against Adam Boric. AJ McKee is not in the main event, but he's also fighting on this card. Are you surprised that both of these guys are fighting on the same card, but not fighting each other, Jose? Um, No, because I Patricio Pitbull would be... A- Patricio Pitbull is the featherweight champion, and AJ McKee has said many times that it's hard for him to get to featherweight. And Patricio, why would like so if they're gonna fight, like I know AJ McKee's like, oh, I'll fight him at lightweight. And Patricio's like, I'm the champ of featherweight. Why would I do that? <laughs> and then I know he was the lightweight champ at one point, but now his brother is the lightweight champ. So like, why would I go up and fight you and give you more of an advantage? <laughs> like, so I guess I'm not I'm not surprised that they're not fighting each other if they're in different weight classes now. If this was like AJ McKee versus like Juan Archuleta at featherweight or whatever, or another featherweight, then it would be weird if they were both fighting at featherweight. But the fact that AJ is finally moving up to lightweight and like, go fight the other people, bro. You win. Like if he wins, he's going to fight 
like Benson maybe because he has the like the time father times not on his side maybe he'll get the next like lightweight title shot sometime soon or you could do AJ versus Benson man I haven't even thought about that so just now that would be so much fun good opening um, round no. grand prix fight right there oh that would be so fun but yeah no not surprised especially with AJ going up do you like this fight AK Adam Borch is good and I feel like he totally deserves this title shot mm-hmm. the betting line suggests he's getting a lot of love here uh Although some money is coming in on Pitbull right now, the, the line's going up. He's a minus 150 favorite. Earlier today, it was close to a pick em, But I feel like outside of the gambling community and the hardcore fans, Adam Borge is getting no respect here. He's getting no respect. Does he deserve a little bit more respect from the MMA community, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I wish Marple had watched his last fight. Uh, it was kind of buried on this, you know, uh, fairly low hyped uh, Bellator event this past March. Uh, it was it was it's one of the best fights of this year. I actually to say la- it's here's how how much this event passed. I swore this happened last year. Um, this main event fight with Mads Brunel. I actually did not remember it happened this year. Maybe that's also how time moves these days and the the hellscape that is the 21st century. But. Uh, but I, I forgot this happened this year. So this is one of the best fights this year. I don't know uh, if you guys can watch it for free in the U.S. or on the Bellator app or whatever. I'm sure you guys have some way of, of rewatching it. Um, people in Canada, we get all the Bellator shows on YouTube. So uh, my fellow Canadians, if you have not seen Mads Brunel versus Adam Boritz from uh, Bellator 276, amazing five-round fight. Great, great win for uh, for Boritz. He's such I, I thought Brunel was going to beat him. I just thought he, had, you know, he's the older guy, but... I mean, I'm so impressed by by Boris. This guy is like, I think he's the real deal. I totally understand why um, uh, people are. Oh, wait, he's. I'm sorry, uh, Brunel is younger than Adam Boris. Anyway, tripped myself off there, but I totally understand why people are picking boards here. It's it's has the makings of an upset. It does feel like um, there's a bit of a letdown for Pitbull now that he's kind of done with this AJ McKee feud. I mean, that took up so many headlines, so much of his energy. I mean, that was a feud that they were talking about. You know, it's not like it just happened when they fought. They were. AJ wanted a fight with Pitbull for so long. So I don't know. I mean, Pitbull's been around forever. I don't think he needs that kind of drama and extra motivation to get up for a fight against a guy like Boritz, 18 and one, um, clearly very dangerous. But there's so much room for a letdown. Uh, And as Jose said, like there was kind of a thought, like, aren't they just going to have these guys, you know, do the third fight, just resolve it that way. And um, so now that that it it didn't go that way, how's he going to view this challenger? I think he'll be fine. I'm certainly leaning towards Pitbull, uh, but Boritz has all the skills to get it done. And we've seen a lot of uh, guys, not say come out of nowhere, but we've seen a lot of guys um, in Bellator kind of be homegrown and fight their way up and win a title w- w- without people realizing. Like Johnny Evelyn's, I-, I think, had a little more hype behind him, certainly when he fought Musasi, but there's an example. Um, uh, when, um, I'm sorry, who was the gentleman who he also beat Musasi for a title and then unfortunately had to retire? Um, he's a really good grappler. Who am I thinking of here? Lovato. Lovato, right? Uh, again, these guys are hyped in, in their own way for sure. But you know, sometimes they just come up and beat an established name, and, and before and people look at it and go like, "Oh wow, I can't believe Musashi lost, or I can't believe Pitbull lost." Um, Pitbull when he lost to Daniel Strauss the first time, people are probably surprised. So, mm-hmm. could happen again. Could happen again at this stage. Um, again, I would lean Pitbull, but. I don't think a Boritz win should surprise anyone. If there's like a 49-46 decision win for Boritz, I think people will just be like, wow, we really should have been paying more attention to this kid. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Patricio just kind of get booed right out of that building tomorrow. <laughs> That's going to be real fun and interesting to watch. Uh, and it's going to be a good fight. I like the main event. Boritz is just is a huge featherweight, especially he's a very rangy, very tall, 145-pounder, moves very well. It should be a good fight. AJ McKee fighting Spike Carlisle. Jose, I'm sure you saw the video by now. McKee makes weight. Spike Carlisle misses by a pound. And then he goes back in to weigh in again. Says it's 156.6. Spike Carlisle is not happy. He's yelling, looking at the scale, saying, look, I'm not even on it. It's 0.2 pounds. All I asked is for 10 extra minutes to dry my hair. And I would have made weight. What did you make of this? Because I thought it was very strange. It was very weird. And Spike is typically a featherweight and now he's missing yeah. weight at 155. It was just very strange. What did you think of that whole thing? It's super weird. And I think a lot of people call for the digital scales. And I think this is like the big argument against it because digital scales can, when you have just gravity with like the, the regular scales and you like, I know we had the weird thing with Charles Oliver and everything, but a digital scale can read wrong. 
Like you can't really hacker. I'm not saying this was hacks, but there's you can't there's no electronics to mess around with on a beam scale. And you know, there could be a cord just off loose. There could be a drop of water that's throwing something off. Or like he said, his hair was wet. So I think it's the big argument against digital scales. And I don't really have I'm not really I don't really care one way or another. But it was strange in the fact that this is Spike Carlisle. And he, he even said himself, he's like, I've never missed weight in my life. And we've seen this guy make 145, and now he's missing at 155. It's strange, and I don't know what to make of it. I get his argument, but if that's what it says, that's what it said. But this, I, this is the big argument against digital scales. Something can go wonky. Yeah, very, very weird. AK, are you how excited are you to see AJ McKee at one? I know you're not a huge fan of giant weight cuts. You're a fan of people making weight. AJ has hasn't had an issue, but you could tell he's had a very hard time getting down there. I think this this is I've been pretty critical of Bellator in their matchmaking in the past. I've not hid how I feel about some of the matchmaking at times, but this for me is excellent matchmaking. Superb, picture perfect matchmaking. Do you agree? My best friend, I fully agree. Uh, I I think, uh, like, I don't know how... I assume Adrian McKee does want to stay at 155. Um, like we said, even as he was fighting as a featherweight, it was always a storyline that, like, he's going to move up. He's going to move up. He's going to move up. Um, he has said, I will come back. Obviously, he does want to fight Pitbull one more time. If it has to be a featherweight, so be it. But I would also... I could also see both guys just moving on from that and we never see a third fight between them at 145 or at 155. Entirely possible. So um, it does feel like 155 is his future. Uh, I do want to see... I think he's going to look fantastic at the weight class. Again, it's it, it probably is just more natural for him. Uh, Spike Carlisle, very good choice of Bellator. Former UFC guy, which is always nice. Um, has a respectable record. Pretty exciting style. I mean, he's involved. he's been involved in some wild ones uh, in the UFC and outside the UFC. Let me put it this way: For a guy, his name Spike Carlisle, you would say that sounds like a guy who's been in some wild, unpredictable, bizarre fights. Uh, you'd be correct. Uh, he's just something always seems to be up for this guy. I guess even now at the weigh-ins, uh, we've seen him now having, a, I guess, a verbal dispute with the scale. So uh, for better or for worse, he's also been involved in the headlines for some other uh, very bad reasons involving his social media. So a good, the sum of all that, a good choice for AJ McKee, a very winnable fight for AJ McKee. Uh, should AJ lose, I think this would be, I, I don't want to say catastrophic, but would be very, very bad for Bellator. Uh, I am remembering when we were having a debate after uh, his win over his first, his the first Pitbull fight when he won and thinking, could AJ McKee become this huge star uh, and to to lose like a, a, an odd fight, uh, his lightweight debut despite Carlisle would be truly, I think, damaging to his reputation. No, nothing that he can't fix. We've seen MMA fighters, many stars take odd losses before, but this is designed to be a showcase fight for him uh, in Long Beach, and um, he better take care of business, and, and I think he will. I, I'm thinking a first-round finish for, for AJ. Jose, more intriguing fight, the co-main event or the feature fight between Aaron Pico and Jeremy Kennedy? Wow. Probably Aaron Pico, I think. I think he just draws attention. He's in that same group. Like, like, he's like a like bone nickel. Like, who cares who he fights? People just want to see this kid fight. And he's looked unbelievable, obviously, since uh, teaming up with Brandon Gibson. I know we had that that first fight against Borix when he had Greg Jackson. But that, he was kind of thrown to the fire right there. And Borix just kind of... That made Borix a star, that flying, that flying knee. So... Pico is a guy that everyone wants to see fight for a title at some point. And he's like the way we describe Bo Nickel is like this guy carries himself like an athlete. Like he's been you can clearly see he's had media training and all this stuff. That's just like what we're talking about with Bo Nickel. Now we were talking about with Aaron Pico, what, three, four years ago. Like he was giving interviews and saying he's like, oh, I'm going to model my career off George St. Pierre. And I know he lost the first his first fight. But then since then, he's been has he ever been in a boring fight? whether he wins or loses, no. That cat is in an exciting fight no matter what, and he's looked better than ever. Those body shots he throws are unbelievable. So Jeremy Kennedy's a tough fight, a super tough fight for Aaron Pico. So I'm going to say Aaron Pico versus fill in the blank is usually going to be my answer. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll get to you, AK, get your thoughts on this. But to me, Aaron Pico, Jeremy Kennedy is may not be the most high stakes fight of the weekend, but is the most intriguing fight of the whole weekend for me. 
because Aaron needs this one. He's a win away. If Aaron Pico wins this fight, he's fighting for the belt. There's no doubt about it. He's fighting for the title. Aaron, AJ McKee is not the champion. He's out of the division now. Pico's going to fight for the belt if he wins this fight. But the last time he's been in, like, sometimes he gets in these positions and it just becomes a little too much too soon. But I love what I'm seeing from Aaron Pico, AK. I think this dude's ready. And unfortunately for your fellow Canadian, I think it's going to be a pretty rough night for him. I think he's going to get tossed around in the air a little bit. I think so too, but man, I don't like. I think the matchmaking here might be a little too good. I, I, I want to see Aaron Pico fight for a title. We all we all want to see that. Um, what what an amazing arc he's had from from you know the, the most hyped prospect in MMA before Bo Nickel came along, uh, to losing his debut and then you know getting those uh, then running off highlight reel finishes, then losing losing a couple more fights to I think more seasoned opponents, and now getting on this run where like we said he's very he's one should be one win away barring something strange happening. But Jeremy Kennedy, I mean, his wins, he just beat Emmanuel Sanchez. Um, I'm looking at some of his wins. Steven Sather's a great veteran. He beat once upon a time. Kyle Boschniak. His, some, like, his, if you just want to compare, like, best wins, like, most, his resume is stronger on paper than Aaron Pico. Now, that, that doesn't mean anything as far as head-to-head goes. Um, do we have odds for this fight, Mike? Oh, God. Aaron Pico is one of, Wow. It's actually way higher than it was. Aaron Pico, AK, minus 700. That's high. 510 for Jeremy Kennedy. That's way too high. That is absurd. That is, that is out of control. That's way too <laughs> That is Bellator. That is uh, normally, if it wasn't Aaron Pico, if this was like some undercard fighter being like minus 700, I'd say bet the, uh, I was like sprinkle $5 on the other person because those odds are insane. Uh, but uh, it, it is somewhat justified. We have a lot more, at least you know, if you're a regular Bellator viewer, you have a lot more data to work with with Aaron Pico. You've literally seen this guy fight his entire career for this promotion. Um, if you don't know who he is by now and, and what he could be, by the way, he's only 26 years old, um, then I guess you just haven't been paying attention. So I think minus 700 is a little crazy. Maybe I'm, I'm probably higher on Jeremy Kennedy than most. There's probably some Canadian bias. I admit to all these things. I'm a fan. Um, but I do think minus 700 is a little crazy. Uh, but yeah, really good matchmaking. I, I just hope Bellator doesn't fall on their faces here and get uh, get this uh, this this upset that's going to throw a wrench in the, the Aaron Pico uh, train. Aaron Pico is a bigger favorite against Jeremy Kennedy than Bobby Cerrone the third is against Miguel Pinebert. And we know exactly what Bellator is trying to do. Those matchmaking names. for Bobby Cerrone the third. Uh, he would be the biggest favorite on the card if Samiko Naba was not competing against somebody she already knocked out in 61 seconds not that <laughs> long ago. So, uh, yeah, incredible betting line. We'll see what happens. All right, so we're going to open it up. I know some questions were coming in. I don't want to go all the way back. So if you have questions about either of these cards, go. We're going to take like three or four of them, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, the rest of the Bellator card, as we await the questions to come in, uh, main card's going to open up with a really good fight. It's now a catch weight at 141 pounds, or excuse me, a contracted weight uh, between Juan Archuleta and Enrique Barzola. That should be a lot of fun. Islam Mamadov, Nick Brown is the featured prelim. Max Roshkoff against Mike Hamill. Max Roshkoff. Yes. Holy cow. He, uh, Damon him. Martin, our own Damon Martin spoke to Max Roshkoff. So please check out the interview. That's up live now on MMAfighting.com. And uh, also, Max Roshkoff, by the way, guys, 3 0. 3-0 since he left the UFC, uh, fighting for uh, Cage Warriors, the UFC. Oh, 2-0, excuse me. 2-0, fighting for Cage Warriors. Uh, the uh, Their U.S. sort of, they've held a bunch of uh, U.S. events. He's done, He's been on a couple of them, and he's won his fights. So, so he looks good. He was amazing. He is such an amazingly talented ground fighter. It is crazy. Like, his submission skills are so good. I would love to see if he, if he can really still become something in MMA, and I don't see why he can't. All right, we'll get some questions in. Uh, any thoughts on one on Prime 2? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Phoenix Carnavale did a great job selling this card on BTL yesterday. Uh, if you are a fan, as Jose likes to likes to be from time to time, of high-level martial arts, you're going to get lots of different martial arts on this card, and we get a hell of a main event featuring one of the best, maybe underutilized and underrated fighters in the sport, Angel Lee. So, uh, Jose, will you be tuning in to one on Prime Video 2 later on this evening? Probably, uh, like I'll de- I'll definitely watch it. I know there's a lot of other sports going on, but I'll definitely make a point to at least watch that main event. Like you said, Angela Lee's one of those fighters that, um, or An- yeah, Angela Lee's one of those fighters that we've kind of been circling as like one of the better fighters outside of the UFC for a long time. And uh, this is the third fight between them, right? 
in the main event. I'm not. I'm. I always butcher the name. It, it is it. Uh, Zhang Jingnan. Yeah, it is a trilogy bout. Yeah. Yeah, and I love me some trilogies. So yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in. I'll, I'll be tuning into the main event for sure. The rest of the card, I'll watch. Yeah. AK, can we talk about Randy Costa's killer mustache? We can. And did you also see his uh, face-off? I did not. He did that. Well, he's got the mustache, so he had to do the classic. Uh, oh, he did. Yes. The, old, old, the old-timey boxer, <laughs> the old-timey boxer pose. So amazing. Yeah, he's, he's truly he's truly living the gimmick. Yes, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think that was revealed for the first time on BTL. As a matter of fact, he came on as to take on Jed, and Jed was so intimidated by the by the mustache. What about one? We already talked about that. Uh, Jose, what's Aaron Pico's ceiling if there were no doubts about his chin? I mean, even if you have doubts about his chin, Aaron Pico's ceiling is being a two-weight champion. <laughs> like, yeah. he could be the champion of featherweight. He could be the champion of lightweight. That's his ceiling. He's that talented. And, like, who's he lost to? Henry Corrales, who he was winning until he just got clipped. And then Adam Boris, who we all is about to fight for the title. And then who who is Zach Freeman? Zach Freeman. Yeah. That was just – he got thrown in Madison Square Garden. Oh, and no. He just got caught against a veteran. Um Aaron Pico's ceiling as a two-way champion. Possibly if he goes to another org. Like, if you throw him into the UFC, he's already a top 15 featherweight. Like, that's how good he He's unbelievable. Aaron Pico's ceiling is a two-way champion. Yeah. Whether he gets there or not, I don't know, but that is his ceiling. AK, do you agree with that? Yeah, and again, I, I don't even know if I would question the chin that much. I mean, yes, I know all his losses are by finish, but that's just honestly the nature of his style. The guy, he goes for the kill. I know it's a cliche, but... So a lot of fighters say it. This guy does it. He's really always looking for a knockout. He's 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 always looking for a high real. He's got a lot of style, and the guys he got he gets he got knocked out by and um, finished by are, are finishers. I mean these guys are finishers. So um, yeah, I guess you'd like to see a little more. It's not it's not just the durability that bothers me. Like I said, a little more defensive awareness, a little more cautiousness. Will that take away from kind of what makes him special? Yeah, it could. So maybe there's a lot of people who don't want to see that. But again, yeah, I'm not. I'm actually not as worried about his chin um, as as some people might be. Like this is a weird comparison, but I get these sort of vibes from him at this point. Aaron Pico has a lot of like Tom Brady in him, and what I mean oh, by geez. that is no. What but what I mean by that is like you know, sh- kind of got thrown to the wolves early, had to struggle a little bit, came back, got with the coach, kind of got in, and then all of a sudden it's like. You could tell by the way he speaks. He's just, he's not the same guy anymore. Now, Brady being in Tampa, he's a little more loosey-goosey. He likes to pop a couple of pops before the parade and stumble around a little bit. But before that, Brady was the dude that's, it's on to this. It's on to that. Wearing a suit everywhere. That's what Aaron Pico is. He is, he is like the professional athlete MMA fighter right now. Before he goes and talks to the media, he's got to change. Even if he's a sweaty mess, he's got to go change into the new suit he's buying. All of his answers. I like to. Th- I gotta thank my parents. Gotta thank God, my coaches, and my manager. Talk to them. I ain't calling out nobody. Talk to those guys. They make the decisions for me. Very professional. It's like the. It's like the movie Bull Durham. That's how Aaron Pico presents business, and he's good, man. He's real good. Let's see. I'll just bring this up. Everything the UFC is just trying to make a threat to the media by not allowing you guys to attend for one no. card just to flex their power. I don't think so either. No, absolutely. Literally, not. I don't feel that way. The UFC at all. would never. The, even if the UFC doesn't like, there are reporters that Dana doesn't like that are still getting credentialed. Like, we're, they're not doing that. There are also d- reporters that Dana doesn't like that aren't credentialed anymore, which is stupid too. But no, yeah. that's this isn't the case. Does the winner of this, I assume the main event, fight Rose Dami Yunus for a number one contender fight? AK. They should. They should. I mean, I just, I, don't, I just, Rose, Rose, whatever, you know, when she, take her time getting back, whatever she's doing. But when she comes back, these fight, whoever wins the Saturday's main event deserves a big fight. And um, I don't know if, if they're going to be the one that gets it or, or someone ahead of them. Um, but yes, I, I think Rose has to, uh, has to get a win before uh, fighting Carla again for the title. And uh, she could certainly do a lot worse than Mackenzie Dern or Jan Shonan. And that, and that, unless, unless Rose goes up to 125, which is a possibility. She said she wants to hit the weights. So we'll see, Jose. Also, she has two wins over the number one contender right now. If Wiley Zhang wins or Zhang Weili wins and Rose is, is 
already 2-0 against her. Like, just give her – like, it, she got a title shot, a third one. Like, I wouldn't be surprised either. What underdog most likely wins on the UFC card, AK? I mean, listen, I said it. I'm, I'm, I'm so in on Don Shanus. Uh, a more, a more realistic one. Um, I like I said, Olenek. Olenek is an is, is an underdog to Latifi. Again, submitting Latifi has never been done before and will be extremely difficult. But it's Olenek. I mean, uh, how, how how can you bet against him submitting anyone? He's just, just the guy just gets it done. So those would be my two picks. Uh, Daniel Santos is also an underdog to Castaneda, yeah. right? Yep, I that's like actually that not one. a bad one either. Yeah, Daniel Santos is not a bad one, but I I would put my top two choices would be uh, again Shanus, which I've already called uh, crazy pick, I know, and uh, Olenek. I would like I like Brendan Allen as an underdog. I think he could win. Jesse Ronson at, at dog money in a fight. Hey. With. hey, listen, that fight's not getting out of the first round, so that's dog or pass for me all day long. So let's see what else we got. Do we have anything else? I'll try to find one more question. There's a lot of spammy spam in here. Uh, will Tapori get a replacement opponent since Barboza got injured? TBD. It's looking like they're trying, but... Effort. Give him Terrence McKinney. I actually like that idea a lot. That was a great call by by Terrence. Last one. We'll start. We'll end with this. Will AJ stay at 155 if he wins, or is he going to fight Pitbull at 145 if he beats Adam Borge? So... <sighs> If you guys missed it, our own Guillerme Cruz, the Brazilian beast, spoke with Patricio Pitbull, who said he's not planning on going up to 155. He's not planning on staying at 145. He's talking about moving down to 135, which is kind of stunning to see, but that's what the man wants to do. So if AJ, to me, AJ's staying at 155, right, AK? Like, I think at this point, it's a pet, like, unless he loses, but I don't think he's going to lose to Spike Carlisle, who essentially is a featherweight moving up to lightweight himself. So if AJ has a good performance and he gets thrown right into a Grand Prix, I just don't know if he's going to want to drop back down if Pitbull's not going to... I don't know. It's weird. Do you think he stays at 155? That's the question. Do you think we'll see him um, fight a featherweight again in Bellator? Bellator has made a mess of the AJ McKee situation from day one. So I guess what? I guess they are. I think they are going to randomly offer him and Pitbull saying, hey guys, one more fight at 145 for all the marbles. Then you can do, Then you two can do whatever you want. Pitbull, you can go down to 135. AJ, you go back up to 155. Vacate the title if you win, whatever. Uh, either you guys can vacate the title. But let's do it one more time. Big, big fight to open up 2023. Uh, AJ McKee and uh, and Pitbull. Maybe they can start building the hype tonight. Both guys get a. Uh, t- I keep saying tonight. Some people listening, it'll be tonight uh, on Saturday. Both guys get a big win. I don't know. Coker makes some non-committal thing about. Hey, listen, both guys look great. I think it only makes sense to match them up again. Let's do it. So I think yes, they will fight again one more time. One forty-five. Uh, AJ McKee is not quite done there, but his long-term future definitely at lightweight. What do you think, Jose? Oh, uh, I'll bring this up real quick. Jose, when's your next episode of Anything But Fighting? The show is great. Stay tuned. We got a couple pans in the, couple swords in the fire. Just <laughs> fighters, get back to me. Fighters, when I message you and you respond, don't take three days to respond. Anyway, just stay tuned. Uh, what, what was the initial question? Uh, will if will AJ stay at one fifty five if he wins, or is he going to fight Pitbull at one forty five if Pitbull beats Adam Borch? I think it's going to depend a lot on what Bellator's plans are moving forward, especially with this Grand Prix they're going to do. Like if they give AJ McKee Patricky Pitbull in like the first round, go do that. Uh, if if the because like we talked about AJ and Benson fighting in that first round, I would probably I would honestly want to do Pitbull versus Benson in the first round because Benson's timeline of his career is shorter. So I I want to squeeze in one more title fight. Um, Benson has also called out Patricky for a fight in Brazil. So if the U, if Bellator is ever going to go to Brazil and you want to, you got to throw both Pitbull brothers on it. I don't, and they want to do AJ versus Patricio three in Brazil. I think that would be fun, especially considering, you know, their, their first fight was in Englewood where AJ is from and Pitbull, you know, get that third fight in Brazil. Benson's also called out uh, Usman Nurmagomedov to fight in Russia. Probably not going to happen given the climate of the world. Um, but I, my gut says he's going to stay at 155. He struggled to make 145 even when he was fighting there at the end. I don't 
see him moving back down for anything like he won a million dollars in a featherweight tournament and then had to fight the guy again. I don't think he's going to want to do it again unless he's like another for another million dollars. Yes. Hey, what's right, the I point of tournaments if they're just going to give <laughs> they're just going to run it back? What's the point of so many things that happened in Bellator, Jose? Come on. True. <laughs> we love we love you anyways, Bellator. We, we know love you, Bellator. That was a very Scott Coker answer. You know, we'll see. I'll tell you in a couple of months. <laughs> Touche. All right, we're done. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 3.30 Eastern. We're going to do the People's Pre-Fight Show. Uh, we'll talk about both of these cards or whatever the hell else you want to talk about. Uh, then the UFC will be happening. Casey will actually be in the building for Bellator 286 tomorrow. And then we're going to do a post-fight show. The plan is right after the UFC main event ends. But if, for, if this is like the most insane Bellator card of all time, and we just get these fights finished in a matter of seconds and all of them and the timing lines up to do a combo, then we will. But if not, we'll uh, we'll just talk UFC and we can all enjoy the Bellator card together. But until then, everybody, for AK, for Jose, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.